My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Hey everyone, welcome back to Good Girls Talk About Money and I am Deborah, your host for today. Um, today with us, we have a colleague of mine from Revolut, Deepak Khanna. So Deepak is our Head of Wealth and Trading. But just before we plunge into today's topic, uh, just a bit of a disclaimer here, Revolut did not pay um, Good Girls Talk About Money to interview Deepak. So what we found that it is relevant to interview Deepak for this episode is because of the ongoing uh, war between Russia and Ukraine and how safe haven assets uh, have been making its rounds in the news of late. But before we go into our first question, Deepak, welcome to Good Girls Talk About Money. Thanks a lot, uh, Debs, and it's great to be on your show and looking forward to having some fun. Great. Um, so without further ado, let us just go into our very first question. I think a lot of people are very curious about just what safe haven assets actually mean. But before we list out some examples of safe haven assets, maybe you can tell us how did the concept of safe haven assets actually came about? Debs, I must confess that this is a very interesting question to start with. Uh, to me, safe haven asset is a generic term used for low-risk assets which can offset risk from a high-risk investments like equities, uh, especially in the terms of market downturn, volatile times. So my sense is that it probably originated when markets were volatile and you needed to knock on some doors if everything else failed. And I'm guessing that safe haven probably started with some sort of a government exposure. You know, take, for example, gold, where it's played some role in the monetary system over the years. Uh, there was a gold standard in the 1900s. Uh, central banks buy gold per se. You know, so there is some sort of a connection there. And that's the reason why some of these assets took the role of a safe haven over the years. Uh, and of course, now the Definition of safe haven has changed. Uh, when you look at the modern investment world, you know that nothing is zero risk, nothing is completely foolproof. So uh, I guess in safe haven, now you're looking at something that can offset the risk of your other volatile investments. Uh, and that's what it is today. Nice. And what are some examples of safe haven assets? Yeah. So Debs, if I can just put some features of what a safe haven should be, because like I mentioned, it's to me, it's a generic term for a class of investments. Uh, first of all, it needs to be low risk, uh, which is the term volatility that's used in the investment world. The second is that it needs to be having some sort of a divergence factor from, let's say, your equities. Uh, what I mean by that is that if your equities are going down, you want your safe haven investments to be holding their value or even going in the positive direction. So they need to be in the divergence of your equities. Uh, the third is they need to be highly liquid. What I mean by that is that you should be able to buy and sell them easily any time of the day that you want uh, at a very low price, not having to wait for months or years to either buy them or sell them. You know, So if you look at these three as the basic factors or features of a safe haven, uh, the very first that comes to my mind is gold. And I think it often does for a lot of people as well, uh, because gold is probably like the Swiss knife of all investments you know, be it in the form of high inflation environment, economic downturns, market meltdowns, crisis, geopolitical, you mentioned about Ukraine, Russia, 
gold often comes as a safe haven to uh, invest into. The second example I can give is quality bonds. When I say quality bonds, I mean government bonds of developed market countries. Take, for example, the US or even Singapore. Uh, bonds are very good diversifiers you know, from equity and hence add to that element there. The third, I would even say US dollar cash. Uh, US dollar cash has worked as a safe haven uh, in times of crisis. Uh, US is the largest economy in the world. Uh, it's a very highly traded currency. A lot of the world's reserves are in US dollars. So that's the third example I can think of. So, you know, just going back to some of the characteristics that you listed about what makes a safe haven asset, a safe haven asset, so to say, right? Low risk, some degree of divergence and basically uh, highly liquid. And you mentioned, um, interestingly, US dollars. So from a newbie perspective, right? I'm wondering, is it physical US dollars that I should be holding as in the dollar bills? Or should it, or, you know, it's just good enough for me to exchange um, some of my SING dollars into US dollars and hold it in a multi-currency account, so to say? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very interesting question, Debs. And I think it all boils down to the level of crisis that you're seeing. Of course, when the banking sector is resilient, which of course it is, robust, you've got to be holding in, in a bank somewhere your US dollar. Uh, so that's a typical form of holding the US dollars in terms of crisis that we're talking about. But of course, you know, when there is a risk which goes beyond what we see in the black swan events, etc., uh, then you're talking about cash. But generally speaking, in today's parlance and the world that we've seen over the last 70, 80 years, you are good enough if you're holding the US dollar in cash terms. Uh, in in cash a bank terms. account. Oh, in, in a bank, bank account. account. Moving on to our next question, right? In your opinion, what percentage of one's investment portfolio should consist of safe haven assets? Yeah, so that's a that's a tricky one, uh, Debs, because ultimately the allocation depends on your personal circumstances, your profile. So typically one has to be very clear about what your investment objective is, how long are you going to invest? And that depends on age. You know, somebody who's at 25 years versus 65 is a very different asset allocation that comes in. And third, I think it also depends on your risk profile, how much of an appetite uh, that you have. But if I were to put some very general rule, if you are young, starting on with your new job, 25 years, you could be looking at almost 100%, 90 to 100% of your allocation to equity uh, because time is on your side. And even if there are market downturns, you want to participate in the recovery and hence be invested into equity, which generally speaking makes obviously more returns than any other asset class. Uh, but as you hit your mid-years in terms of 45 years, mid-careers or towards 65 retirement, then your exposure to equity goes down to, let's say, the 50 to 70% level. And the balance is then invested into bonds and alternate investments. Now, not all bonds are safe haven. Not all alternate investments are safe haven. So for the balance I'm talking about, some of it will go into safe haven. As a very general rule, you could be looking at 5 to 10%. But of course, you know, you could have a much better method of uh, evaluating this based on other factors that I spoke about. Excellent. Um, you know, just now you said something about, you know, when we asked about some of the examples of safe havens, and so you mentioned US dollar, which in itself is a fiat-like currency, and then you talk about bonds, and then you talk about gold. So one of my next question is, you know, are safe haven assets always commodities? And clearly the answer is no. But then if we were to twist this question around, then now I would like to ask, are all commodities safe haven assets? Deb's answer is no. Uh, commodities mm -hmm. is a very, very broad segment that could include uh, gold, which is a safe haven, considered as a safe haven. 
uh, or other precious metals like silver, etc. Uh, but commodity also includes oil, energy, gas, uh, agricultural products, metal mining, and these are not safe haven for the reason that they are volatile. Uh, they're subject to demand and supply changes. Uh, you know, what we see in the Ukraine crisis, suddenly the supply side is squeezed and hence you see that uh, the commodity prices are going up. There could be policy changes, uh, etc. So these are not safe havens. So I would say that it would be looking at some of the precious metal, not all. Uh, so gold obviously stands out the most, but let's say silver, palladium to some extent, but not all commodities are safe haven. Great. And you know, although this isn't paid by Revolut, obviously us working at Revolut, there's something very exciting that we would like to introduce um, our listeners to. Deepak, tell us a little bit about how Revolut is actually helping, you know, small-time investors like myself, you know, get into buying and selling gold. Yeah, so, you know, buying and selling gold can be tricky for retail investors. And, you know, gone are the days when you're looking at buying a physical gold and trying to store it for the sheer effort, cost uh, required there. So in today's time, you could uh, invest into gold pretty much like you would trade into a currency. And the ticker for gold in the currency world is called XAU. For silver, it's called XAG. So what Revolut has offered or launched in the last couple of weeks is an investor can uh, convert their SING dollars, US dollars, or 20 other currencies into XAU or XAG uh, for that matter. And what we're giving uh, to the clients is an ability to start with as low as $1 equivalent. And basically when I... Say, for instance, if I were to exchange SG $1 into XAU, which is the ticker for gold, right? Am I buying that $1 worth of physical gold or it's something else altogether? Yeah, that's that's an absolutely valid question, Debs. Uh, so what you're buying is an exposure to physical gold. For every dollar of XAU or XAG you're buying, there is a physical backing of an equivalent amount of gold which is held by Revolut with a member of London Bullion Market Association. So we save the trouble for investors to physically hold gold and that's being done behind the scenes. So you are getting an equivalent exposure. But yes, to answer your question, there is a backing of a physical gold equivalent to the amount that you're buying the gold or the silver uh, from your SING dollars or US dollar equivalent. And just from you know your experience working in the wealth management space for so many years, right? To the best of your knowledge, is Revolut the only, you know, one of the few ways that somebody can actually buy gold or silver from as little as even one cent or one dollar, for example? Or like, is this something totally revolutionary? I would say that there are options that have been available to the customers to be able to buy uh, the spot gold or the XAU, XAG that we've spoken about. But of course, Revolut is making it easily accessible on a single app uh, at a very low cost or a competitive cost, uh, as well as at a low denomination of $1 that we spoke about. But generally speaking, if an investor wanted to get access to gold, there are many, many methods. Uh, it could be an ETF, for example, uh, the various ETFs that give you access to gold, which will eventually have a physical exposure as we spoke about. Uh, but of course, ETFs have their own cost because they have an annual cost uh, that they bear. Uh, but the other methods as your sophistication goes up. Uh, but I would say that from retail investors, these are the two predominant methods and they have been there for some time now. And well, one question that I'm commonly asked, you know, in, in my during my time pitching um, the commodities features for Revolut is 
does it just not make sense for me to just pop down to the local goldsmith shop, for instance, and buy myself lots of gold necklaces and gold bangles and gold earrings? Yeah, you could. Uh, but the fact is that jewelry is never pure gold uh, mm. because otherwise you will not be able to buy it in that form. There's always a transaction making cost. Each time you buy and sell, you'll have the making cost uh, be taken off from that. You may be subject to taxations. Of course, you've got to store it in some place, whether you're going to buy a safe in your house or you know with some vault. So the whole convenience factor of doing this takes away the whole purpose here. And of course, if your purpose was to buy jewelry for you know uh, for yourself or you know as gifting purposes, that's a very different uh, purpose. But if you're buying it from a safe haven, go back to the definition I said, which is highly liquid. You want to be invested into gold uh, in a way that you can buy and sell. 24 by 7 uh, and not having to wait to, you know, go down to the next uh, jewelry shop to sell it off if you have to sell it off for some uh, exigency. And right now, you know, we've talked about gold, we've talked about US dollars, right? Um, Obviously, when it comes to safe haven assets, would you then say we should have a mix of different types of safe haven assets? Or basically, if I'm into gold, I'll just, you know, commit into gold as my safe haven asset of choice. Or if it's US dollar, then, you know, I'll focus on making sure that I have a healthy amount stashed away, for example. Or do you suggest that we have a mix of different safe haven assets? Yeah, Debs, I think in the investment world, I always say that have a variety of investments. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And the fact is that too many investment is also not variety. When I, when I say variety means have different asset classes. Uh, mm-hmm. You could be buying two funds and both of them having exposure to Asia, but ultimately is ex- exposure to Asia. So as long as you have distinct asset classes, which have very distinct exposure, uh, it always makes sense because no matter what, nobody can predict how the market is going to go. And if you were to put all your bets onto one investments, uh, that may not work for you in the long run. So I always say that have a mix of asset classes. Uh, So if you're talking about just safe haven, you could diversify between gold currency, uh, which is US dollar cash uh, I mentioned about, or even some fixed income. Mind you, fixed income is also easier uh, to access these days you don't have to buy a bond per se you could be looking at a fund you could be looking at an etf so the investment world is getting more efficient for retail users to buy of course you need to have your own knowledge and experience and you need to have the risk appetite to do that but always diversify your investments i would say nice for those of us who may not have access to a portfolio manager how then can we gain access to safe haven assets yeah, so uh, I think uh, for the retail investors, it's not too easy to get into investments because of the pure costs involved uh, or high minimum transaction amounts required. But we spoke about some of the methods for gold, for example, spot gold as a currency or ETF are two popular ways I can th- talk about. For bonds, I would think about uh, some other funds give you exposure to bonds. Uh, you could also look at ETFs, which are lower cost. Uh, and these days you get ETFs by focusing on just the government debt or the government bonds, you could look at bonds by duration. By duration, I mean the maturity. You could be going for shorter duration bonds versus longer duration. You could dial up or dial down the quality of the bonds that you're looking at. Coming into the Singapore context, you could be looking at the Singapore savings bond, and these are very easily, uh, you can buy it from some of the local banks or even your SRS uh, funds. You know, so the so accessibility is, is quite clear. Um, but again, like I said, be mindful of the cost. Take, for example, US dollar. I would always tell investors to shop around for the best rate in the market and not pay excessive costs when you're getting into some of these investments.
great insights. And do you have any other advice or insights you would like to share regarding investing in safe haven assets? Yeah, so I think one point I want to make it very clear is that uh, not all safe haven assets work at all times of the market. So it's not one size fit all. So if you're talking about, let's say, the geopolitical crisis right now, gold stands out as a safe haven. But bonds may not stand out so strongly at this point of time because we are also sitting at a time period where interest rates are going up. So we had the first rate hike by the Fed uh, in the month of March, and there are likely to be many more rate hikes coming this year. And bonds do not do well in a rising interest rate scenario. So it may not be uh, the most perfect safe haven. But of course, uh, you could look at bonds which are very short duration, which means not very long in terms of maturity. Or you could look at bonds which are floating rate bonds, which means they reprice their coupons every few months in line with the rising interest rate. So one has to really look at it from that perspective so that uh, you don't think of one size fit all uh, approach. And of course, your knowledge and experience is very important. Just to let you know, gold, which is a commodity, is not regulated under the Payment Service Act. You know, there is a convenience factor there. So one has to look at all those uh, factors as well. Nice. Thank you, Deepak, for joining us in this episode of Good Girls Talk About Money. Just before we go, we would like to remind everyone here that the interview does not constitute as financial advice. And before you start investing in any kind of investment tools, please, please, please speak to your financial advisor. Deepak, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Debs. And I'm a big fan of your podcast and uh, really enjoyed my time here. Thank you. Thank you.